0: If you can cast your mind back and you were here to December 2014, that's when we started going through the book of Hebrews, or the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, and we went through uh, the first nine chapters uh, on and off while I was preaching uh, from then up until uh, this September just gone, uh, when we've just, we took a break and we've all been looking through uh, the end of Mark's Gospel together. But we get to rejoin. The letters to the Hebrews in chapter ten. I'm going to read from verse one uh, to verse eighteen. Hebrews chapter ten, verse one. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire. But a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Okay, throughout this letter, the writer has been again and again bringing us back to the fact and building on his argument, basically declaring, look, All you Hebrews, all you guys who have followed the law, who have, who have grown up knowing the Old Testament as we now know it, knowing the, the Old Covenant and its sacrifices and everything, look, something far
1: greater has come. Throughout his letter, he is banging this drum.
0: Constantly comparing and contrasting the old and the new. So right back at the beginning, he talks about the fact Look, the the law, you, you, you deem the law to have been given through angels. Well, look, look at Jesus. Jesus is far greater than the angels. You see, the law came through Moses. Let's look at Moses. Moses was great. Moses was an incredible guy. He was a wonderful servant in God's house. But look, Jesus is far greater. He's the son who reigns over God's house. He goes on. Begins looking in depth about the priesthood. He gives us this. He starts looking at that guy Melchizedek and saying, Look, there were loads of priests after the order of Aaron. Aaron was appointed as high priest, and his sons and their sons and their sons have been priests for years, year on year on year. Yet now, when Jesus came, he's come in a new order. As he describes as the order of Melchizedek. It's a change, it's different, it's new, it's greater. And he compares and contrasts. Look, they served in a tabernacle on earth or in the temple on earth. No, Jesus, he went into the very throne room of God, and that's where he's seated before the Father. So they, they served under an old covenant. Now, Jesus has brought in a new covenant, which is greater, far greater. They offered sacrifices day after day after day. Every year, particularly, coming back. But he has made one sacrifice once and for all. He sacrificed his body. It's far greater. He's banging this drum on and on and on. Look. The Lord, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm not saying anything wrong. But look. This is. Is better. And then he comes to this very point here. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. He's been comparing and contrasting the old and the new, and he said, Look, this is where the old has always been pointing towards. The law is a shadow of the good things that are coming. That word, that sense, a shadow or a a foreshadowing, a a thing, look, look, you can see something of what is to come in this. You can see it in the law, in the sacrificial system, you can see something, but it's only a shadow. It's only a a kind of image of what ultimately was going to come. And in saying that, he's saying, well, the law's not not in that sense some kind of crazy failed experiment. Alright, scrap that, try something else. Now rather, it points towards, and it's always pointed towards, the reality that was to come. It's always point, been pointing to the something far greater that was coming. And in these verses here today, we see something of the purpose of the law. Something of what it was all about, what it was, what it was there to do. As a picture or a representation, almost in the way that we could, we could look at, at archi- architectural plans and an artist's impression of what a building is going to look like. We're looking, obviously, at the moment they're building IKEA out by the Meadowhall Retail Park, and you can go on the council website and you can look at plans after plans after plans that they submitted, and you can look at pictures this is what it's going to look like. Great kind of realistic images. You can go and look afterwards if you want. And you can get a sense, look, oh, look, there's going to be these rooms, and there's going to be this room, and it's going to be this big by this big. And you can look at the artist's impression and say, this is what it's going to look like. But ultimately, I can't walk around the artist's impression. I can't fully experience the finished building, Take into account, I'm talking about IKEA. You can't take, you can't fully experience the endless round and round that you're going to have to have. Anyway, whether you like IKEA or you hate it. But you can't fully experience it. But you can
1: get something of a glimpse. You can see, look. Or in another way, like a picture of someone.
0: I've got some pictures. One for each congregation. But um, there's a picture of Dan. And I can see something of Dan from that picture. I can see his the fact that he loves his check shirts. (laughs) I can see something of how he looks. But I can't have a conversation with it. I can't have a conversation with this picture. I've got a copy of it somewhere. I did have a copy of it. If I study this picture and just look at it, I can get some idea of... Something of what Dan looks like. But it's only when I actually meet him or see him, I can see something more of who he really is. The author's giving us a sense look. In a similar way, the law, law gives, us a, gives us an image, it gives us an idea. It's a shadow pointing towards the full reality that was coming. That's what it is, the law and the sacrificial system. It's not the real thing, not the finished article, but foreshadowing. Pointing towards him. Pointing towards Jesus.
1: The one who was coming and bringing in that reality. And we can see through this passage different aspects of the law. as a shadow. We can take that picture down now.
0: I've got four aspects of the law as a shadow. Let's look at the first four verses. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, the first clear reality of the law being a shadow is that it cannot make us perfect. Following the law, following all the sacrifices, doing all of that could never make people perfect, could never
1: completely deal with sin, could never completely cleanse Like many of you, I had a shower this morning. You have a shower, we can have that picture if you want. Have a shower to get clean. It's important. You might have a bath, you might have a shower, you might wash yourself,
0: one way or another. But let me ask a question can a shower fully deal with dirt? Can it deal with the problem of ever being dirty again? See, I'll be back in the shower tomorrow morning. And the next day, and the next day, and the writer goes on to say, day after day, I'll be in the shower. Because whilst a shower can deal with dirt in one way, it cannot fully deal with the problem of dirt. It cannot completely clean me, otherwise I would never have to shower again. Which definitely isn't true. You see, the the author's making this point about the sacrifices of the old system. Because it's a shadow rather than the reality. They cannot fully deal with sin. They cannot clean people once and for all. cannot cleanse people from the problem of sin. He makes this point clearly in verse 2. Otherwise would they not have stopped? Would they not have stopped? If they could fully deal with sin, if they could do the job
1: properly, once and for all, then would they not have stopped? Just like I can't get out of the shower and say, hey, I'm clean, I don't need to go back in the shower ever again.
0: They had to keep coming back, sacrifices once again and again and again. They couldn't. The sacrifices of the law could not fully make people perfect, could not fully clean people, could not fully deal with the problem of sin. Verse 4 puts it very bluntly, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take
1: away sins. But he makes a second point while he's doing this, That rather than dealing with sins
0: in that complete way, rather the sacrificial system was a reminder of sin. An annual reminder of sins in verse 3. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. And in looking at an annual reminder, he's focusing in particularly on the Day of Atonement. That, That big ceremony that had to
1: happen every year. A massive day in the year of God's people. And what he's saying to them, look, it's an annual reminder. A
0: reminder of the overarching problem of sin. Paul reminds us so clearly in Romans 3, verse
1: 20. If I actually turn to Romans. Romans 3, and verse 20.
0: therefore no one will be declared righteous in god's sight by the works of the law he makes the same point rather through the law we become conscious of our sin
1: the point the fact was they had to come back every year it kept them aware look look at this problem look at the
0: look at the problem of sin look at the fact that this is what separates you from god's and going back to the to the analogy of a shower Again, in one sense, that's what a shower is. Actually, every time I take a shower, it reminds me that I need to take a shower. I need to keep taking a shower. Because I get dirty. And so I need to keep coming back. I need to keep coming back. And it keeps reminding me, actually, this is what I need to keep doing because it ultimately cannot deal with the problem of dirt as just as the sacrificial system couldn't fully deal with the problem of sin rather it reminded them it reminds us look look see this is the problem this is the problem sin this is what separates you from god a day a, a in some ways a daily but an annual reminder particularly of sin Okay, it cannot make us perfect, rather it is a reminder of sin. Let's go on to verses 5 to 10. It goes on from there. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God's. And in that, he's quoting Psalm 40, prophetically declaring Jesus' message as he came. Prophetically declaring what Jesus was was kind of articulating as he came to the earth. And as he goes on in the next verses, we see in verse 8, he starts to explain his point in quoting those verses. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. And he sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. You see, the writer sets this, this quotation out in two parts. And he makes the point about the first being replaced by the second, and we'll come to that later. We see the old sacrifices set aside, replaced by Christ's obedience submission to his Father's will. But first and foremost, we see that these sacrifices, though they were made in accordance with the law, ultimately didn't please God. Ultimately didn't please him. Even though they were in accordance with the law.
1: It's deeper than just saying, well, you just didn't do them very well. Saying fundamentally, they weren't able to please God. Not able to completely satisfy.
0: Why? What's his point? Because they were a shadow of what was to come. They were only a shadow of what was to come. Not the reality. Not the real deal. Not the, not the, the real sacrifice that would finally please God. Satisfy him. Deal with sin and everything. ultimately, it was not what God was truly looking for. It points to the truth that we cannot please God by our own actions. In our own strength. In a way of trying to earn favour. By our works. Day after day they came. They kept coming and yet their sacrifices did not please God. So third, day they don't please God. And, and as he goes on, this is apparent as we look at verse 11 to 14. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. But the first part of those verses, look, as he's already set out in verses 1 and 2, these sacrifices were repeated endlessly. They were never finished. Here in these verses, day after day, day
1: after day, it comes as an image, if you've ever done it, of running on a treadmill. Step after step, you keep moving. Step after step, you keep moving, and yet you're going nowhere.
0: You're going nowhere. Now, that's not to say there's no purpose in running on a treadmill. That's not my point. But if you look physically, you're not going anywhere. And step after step, you keep running. Day after day, they presented their sacrifices. Day after day, the priest stood and offered what he was required to offer. It was never finished. Never meeting the mark, never fully pleasing God or earning his favor, never fully dealing properly
1: dealing with the problem of sin. It was never finished. It presents us with four Kind of
0: limitations of the law. Four aspects of the fact, no, it wasn't the real thing. It was just, it was a shadow of what was to come. And the writers, so keen that they grasp it. So keen that they grasp, look, this is what the law is and was. So keen that they, that they grasp and don't, like the Jews around them, that they would have previously worshipped alongside So keen that they don't end up relying on this law. Relying on those sacrifices for salvation because, look, they
1: were never able to do it. As we've already read in Romans 3 verse 20, no one will be declared
0: righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. And here he's screaming it out. No, look, it was but a shadow of what was to come.
1: But actually the flip side of what he's saying is, look guys, the law is actually a good shadow. We can see all these
0: aspects that say, look, it was only a shadow, it couldn't do the job, but actually it's so good at pointing the way. Because it's a shadow that points so clearly towards the reality that was coming. The reality which comes through Jesus. Let's read verse 8 to 18 again. It's clear throughout the whole passage, but particularly here. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Necessary. You see, he points out so clearly the law was just a shadow, but he points, this is what the shadow was pointing to. This is what the shadow was pointing to. It was pointing to Jesus and his perfect sacrifice. Let's see those four aspects of this law as a shadow again. They cannot make us perfect. The sacrifices couldn't make us perfect. The, rather, they were a reminder of sin. They couldn't properly please God. And they were never finished. And yet, unlike the shadow, the shadow pointed to the one who, would, who could do all those things. Where it cannot make us perfect, he has made us perfect. Chapter 10, verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You see, so clear the law could not do it. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and calves. But that was the shadow. You see, it was pointing the way to the fact you're offering sacrifice. You're offering bulls and calves and everything else day after day. Yet one day, he is coming. And he has now come. And he would offer the perfect sacrifice. He's made the comparison before in chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean. Has some effect. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? You see... The old sacrifices, they they can make ceremonially clean, but ultimately they were just pointing the way to the one true sacrifice, the great sacrifice of Jesus. That could truly make us perfect, that could truly make us clean, that could truly deal with sin. And then therefore, where the shadow is a reminder of sins, what does he say here?
1: Now God remembers our sins no more. Verse 17, quoting Jeremiah,
0: their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. You see this wonderful truth where the shadow prov Oh, there's a shadow there already. That's interesting. (laughs) This wonderful truth where the shadow provided a reminder of sins. These sacrifices day after day, and particularly the ones every year provided the reminder of the serious problem of sin and the weight of sin and the, the, the issue of sin. Now, through his blood, through Jesus' blood, through his perfect sacrifice, now God can declare, I will remember their sins no more. As Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12, gives us that wonderful truth. Psalm 103. Wonderful truth about the love of God. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The wonderful truth that now he remembers that our sins no more.
1: Sin is dealt with. The shadow Couldn't fully deal with sin, but Christ has. Because where God was not pleased with the sacrifices of the old covenant, God is pleased with Jesus. We see the contrast again in verses 8 and 9. He sets aside the first to
0: bring in, to establish the second. He sets aside the old sacrifices to bring in the fact look, I have come. Jesus saying, I have come. I have come to do your will. He came and he did. Obedient to the will of God to
1: the point of death. And through his obedience became the perfect sacrifice for sin. The contrast there,
0: where he wasn't pleased. He could never fully, it could never fully be acceptable to God. The sacrifices of us trying to make our own way. No. Now. He is pleased with Christ's perfect sacrifice. And so that where before it was never finished, now it is finished. What a wonderful comparison in those verses. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Every day, the priest is stood offering Again and again he stood in in the temple offering the sacrifice and yet when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God. And he goes on, since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Wonderful comparison. The priests, they're stood every day. They're on their feet making the sacrifices. Christ has made the, the sacrifice once for all. Now
1: he sat at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. And see that
0: wonderful truth that once for all he has offered a sacrifice for sin. Verse 10. Sorry we have been
1: made holy totally through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. You see the writer so keen to point out the law is the shadow of the things that were coming,
0: not the reality. And so therefore pointing pointing always pointing always to the wonderful awesome reality, the wonderful awesome truth Jesus came. Jesus came. The reality is here.
1: And the reality, Jesus, deals with us in a way the shadow never could.
0: Those last few verses, the quote of Jeremiah sums it up. And the Holy Spirit testifies that Jesus deals with both our hearts. I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. Deals with our hearts in a way the law never could. The sacrifice is outwardly cleaning, outwardly doing the right things, but not dealing fully with the problem in our hearts. And secondly,
1: with sin. Dealing with it fully. I will remember their sins no more. So, what is his point? The law is wonderful.
0: Why? Because it points us to Jesus. Because it points us to Jesus. Our charge today, as it was to them, is to rejoice in the reality of Jesus the Saviour. The is so keen to get this across. He's been banging that drum all the way through the letter, never turn away, never go back. No turning back, no going back, as we sang earlier. Why? Because because the law is inherently bad? No, not really. That's not his point. Because actually by understanding, respecting and honouring the law properly, actually it points us to him. It points us to Jesus. Because it's always been a shadow of the reality to come. See, if I go back to my picture of Dan again. You see, if Dan was to come up, and I was still looking at the picture. Dan could try and get my attention in all different ways, but if I'm just focused on this picture, this picture, it's such a good picture. What a great picture of Dan. That's wonderful. It's amazing. <laughs> what, what what else could I ever need? No. How could I how could it ever make sense if the reality had come? And I'm not coming to him i'm not having conversation with him i'm not interacting with him i'm just dealing purely with the picture and the shadow and that which pointed towards the reality that was to come
1: and therefore the writer's going to go on let us draw near to god through the reality through jesus
0: In the fact that we can come to him through Jesus. No
1: longer just a shadow, now the reality is here. Let's pray and then let's worship and do
0: that. Draw near to him through the wonder of our saviour Jesus. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the law. Thank you for the law as a shadow of the good things that were coming. Thank you that your law that you gave through your covenant with Moses pointed the way and kept pointing the way. And as we read the pages of the Old Testament, we can see you pointing the way to the coming King, pointing the way to the coming Saviour, the one who would offer the perfect sacrifice to your coming, Jesus. And so the fact that you were going to fully deal with sin, the fact that you were Gonna kind of take it to a point where you could cry out, God could cry out, I will remember their sins no more. Where it would be finished. that through your pleasing obedience to the will of your Father, you have done it. Now we can rejoice. Not turning back to anything else, but coming through the wonderful blood of
1: Jesus into your presence, into your family clean, forgiven, set free. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship him together.